0: Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. So next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. You're listening to episode 55 of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hi there. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. On today's episode, I am chatting with Rob Greenfield. He is an adventurer, an activist, and a humanitarian who does some crazy things in the name of sustainability. Today, he's going to tell us all about his past endeavors, and he's also going to get into his latest endeavor where he seeks to grow and forage 100% of the food he eats for an entire year. Now, just think about that for a minute. He has to either grow or forage all of his food for 365 days. Now, Rob will also talk about his why, why he's doing this. He's not doing this so that we all jump on this extreme lifestyle bandwagon. He'll tell us exactly what he's seeking to accomplish as he embarks on his latest endeavor. This week's show notes can be found at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero five five, M A M A minimalist.com forward slash zero five five. Enjoy the interview. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? My pleasure,
1: Stephanie. I'm doing really good. I'm sitting down to a nice homegrown dinner uh, right after we finish talking.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we will absolutely talk all about your extreme measures in terms of sustainability and food. But first, I would love it if you could tell us all about yourself and most importantly, how you got interested in sustainability.
1: Sure. So, I mean, that kind of goes back to 2011 is really when I got into sustainability and I was living a pretty average American lifestyle at that time. I, I actually had a goal of being a millionaire. Um, was very material focused, um, you know, every Sunday I would spend two hours shining my car and making it look real nice, and I was really living that life, and, and then I started in 2011 to watch a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books, and just started to realize that, wow, my life is causing destruction to all that I love, the car that I'm driving, the food that I'm eating, the trash that I'm creating, the electricity that I'm using. I just realized it was all causing harm, and that's when I realized that I wanted to change my life and try to live in a way that was better for the earth and better for myself and better for my community. So for the last seven years, that's the mission I've been on, is cleaning up my act to live uh, rather than being an environmental nuisance uh, to be a positive impact on the world.
0: So what does your life look like today? I know you said you had a nice car, you wanted to be a millionaire. If somebody was coming over your house, what would they see?
1: Well, I'm 32 now and I have $1,000 to my name, no bank account, no credit cards, no uh, retirement fund or IRAs. Like Literally, I have $1,000 and I live in a 100-square-foot tiny house that I built for 1500 bucks out of 99% repurposed materials. So total opposite in many ways of that original American dream lifestyle that I had planned. But Really, what I've been doing over the last seven years is just making my actions be in alignment with my beliefs because I had always believed in you know, not destroying the world and being good to the world. It's just that I didn't know my actions were causing harm. And so little by little over the last seven years, I started changing my life one positive step at a time and just kept on going, kept on going. And now what I do is I take it to the extreme. I test the limits of, of sustainability, I guess you could say. And I do adventures and environmental activism campaigns that really engage people, inspire them and educate them and get them involved and help them to get started if they aren't started or just take it, take it an- another step further and live in a more sustainable life.
0: I've talked to a few guests who have lived extremely different from the norm, and I always find myself needing to ask this question. What do your friends and family say and think about your lifestyle?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, in 2018, the time that we live in, I think people are craving authenticity, uh, truthful, real people because of our political situation, our corporate situation that's just so untransparent. And so the, th- the fact is that I've aligned my actions with my beliefs and I'm living a-, a life of deep ethics and morals and trying to do my best to use my life to make the world a better place. And people have really rallied behind that. They support me. They're excited uh, you know, so many people are living, you know, quite honestly, pretty boring lives that they aren't uh, too too stoked about. And so the number of people who kind of get to live vicariously through my, you know, my adventures and in in going out there and changing my life for the better, it's been great. Family and friends are, are very supportive and involved and um, have been along the journey with me.
0: What do your parents say about the fact that you have no savings and no retirement fund to speak of.
1: You know, they don't, they, my mom, my mom's confident that I know what I'm doing, which I'm very, I'm very blessed to have a mom who, as long as her kids, she had four kids, as long as we're happy, she supports us. As long as we're happy and we're not harming other people, she supports us no matter what it is that we want to be doing. And you know that's one of the greatest uh, blessings that I think a parent can give is embracing your child for who they are and my mom's uh you know she's done that really great so it's it's been really wonderful
0: mm, that's amazing you're right that is the purpose of a parent to support your child unconditionally so you mentioned earlier that you've done some really extreme things in the name of sustainability. Walk us through some of your previous projects.
1: Sure. Well, my first big adventure was in 2013, and it was a bike ride across the United States on a bamboo bicycle. And the idea was to try to cross the country and have no negative environmental impact. So that meant looking at every action I take, like all the basic aspects of sustainable uh, sustainable living, that's food, Water, energy, waste, and transportation. These are the five basic pillars of sustainable living that we deal with every day, whether we realize it or not. And I had to cross the country. So for example, for food, I could only eat local, organic, unpackaged food, nothing packaged, um, shipped from another country, or actually even outside of the state that I was in. For electricity, I had small solar panels with me, and I could only use electricity that I created. So no air conditioning, no walking through an automatic door uh, that would go off. I had to bike every every mile for transportation, waste every piece of trash that I created. I had to carry all the way across the country with me. So I was trying to be pretty much zero waste. So that was my first adventure. And um, it was uh, quite the adventure. It definitely changed my life, immersing that deep in sustainable living. Since then, um, other highlight adventures, there's trash me where for one month I lived like the average American, um, but I had to wear every piece of trash that I created, which meant uh, the average American creates four and a half pounds of trash per day. So by day 30 in New York City, I was basically just a walking trash ball all over the city everywhere that I went. And it was to create a visual of how much garbage just one person creates.
0: Okay. I have to stop you there and ask what was the average reaction you received on the streets of New York City?
1: So when I first you know, started that project, I was a little nervous because there's kind of this saying, like, if you live in New York, you've seen it all. And I thought, is this going to work? And it was day three of the project, and this woman walked up to me. I was in an office uh, like uh, getting some things printed out, so, so like an office store. And she walks up to me, and she says, you know, I'm from New York City, so I'm supposed to see it, have seen it all, but I got to ask, what are you doing? And from that moment on, I just knew, all right, this is going to work. And as, as, as the trash kept growing, it became a better visual. And it took, I think it was day 10-ish, a week and a half in, uh, local news stations started to come out, local papers. Uh, it was on the front of uh, the Metro, which is all over New York City. And then it started to spread across the country. And so by about two weeks in, I literally could not walk down the street without someone yelling, it's the trash, man. And so the reactions were, it was fun. It was inspiring. People enjoyed it. And um, it was like, you know, weird because I was a big ball of trash, but I was like a celebrity walking through the city. And um, people really got behind it and got excited to You know, they saw the visual and they saw, oh, now I get it. That's how much trash I make. And the number of people that either found me on the streets and told me or messaged me online saying that they had made positive changes because of the visual that they saw.
0: Yeah, it all really comes down to visuals, doesn't it? Because we seem to think that when we throw our trash away, it disappears. It just evaporates into wherever. But that's not the case. And I believe that if people actually saw how much trash they were creating and where it actually went, they might be motivated to make some changes. So thank you for that visual representation of how much trash we all just make without even thinking about it. What other crazy stuff have you done?
1: Let's see. So I've practiced living with no money so uh, three times I've I've hopped on a plane with no money and had to travel back to San Diego where I was living at the time. The second time was the big adventure, and that was landing in Panama, seven countries from home with no money, which is the clothes on my back and passport. And the idea was that media portrays the world as this very dangerous place. You should be afraid of, like in the United States, you should be afraid of Mexico. And I don't believe that. I think that most people are good. So to put that to the test, by landing in a far-off country with no money, I was dependent upon the kindness of strangers. And 37 days of traveling home uh, through Central America, Mexico, back to the United States, that's what I experienced. When I got back to San Diego, I had 10 cents in my pocket, and I could just mutter three words, and that was just, people are good. And that's all I could think, and that's that's just had overtaken me.
0: Hmm. That seems like a real life changing event. It was. I mean, the other part
1: of my life is I've been working on demonetizing my life, you know, learning how to live a life that's based on relationships, that's based on, uh, you know, valuing uh, the resources that Earth provides to us rather than monetizing everything. I need this, so I pay for this. And that for me, you know, traveling with no money was a big step in. And seeing that existence is possible outside of this, uh, you know, highly monetized way of life that most of us live.
0: Mm. Well, your latest endeavor seems to me to be the most extreme simply due to the length of time you're undertaking it a year. Tell us all about food freedom,
1: yeah. So For one year, I'm going to grow and forage 100% of my food. Today is actually day nine as we speak. And what that means, you know, it sounds simple, but people always have lots of questions. To grow means that I literally have to plant it, raise it, harvest it, eat it. Um, And then foraging means it can be either urban foraging, which would be, you know, our, our yards are full of Edible weeds that we pass by, like dandelions are a perfect example that a lot of people do know about, or going out into the, you know, into the woods and foraging mushrooms and things like that. So what it means is an entire year with no grocery stores, no restaurants, no going to a party and eating food there, unless I bring my own food no gifts of food. Nobody can give me any food. I can't go to someone else's garden and eat from their garden because they grew that food. So it's a true immersion in, you know, having to connect with every morsel that I put into my mouth for the entire year.
0: Okay. So as I was preparing dinner tonight, I was thinking about you and this craziness. And I have some clarifying questions, and they might seem stupid, but I just really need to fully understand the picture if that's okay with you.
1: Good. Yeah, that sounds great.
0: All right. So are you dumpster diving?
1: Mm. So to most people, it'd be like, well, why are you asking that question that don't know me? And the reason that you're asking that is because I've dived into thousands of dumpsters to raise awareness about food waste, and I didn't mention that earlier. But the answer is no. For this entire year, no eating food from grocery store dumpsters.
0: Okay, are you a meat eater in general?
1: Um. Well, for two years I was vegan, and that was what 2014 to 2016. And then even since then, without being vegan, I still eat a vastly plant based diet, probably 95 to 99 percent plant based most of the time. Um, going weeks without, you know, eating anything that is you know, meat or, or an animal product. So I'm actually most typically mostly plant based, I will still remain mostly plant based during this year, my diet will probably be 90% plant based. But I'm fishing for, um, for, you know, basically, you know, the, the main thing is a, a form of protein sustenance, because it is hard to grow enough beans and proteins uh, that are plant Matt, you know, that are plant based. So, um, yeah, I just went out fishing and uh, I kind of bring home like a couple weeks of fish at a time. And, uh, it's been, it's been great. I mean, for me, there's few things that make me feel healthier than harvesting fish that are sustainable and abundant from the, you know, the waters nearby me.
0: All right. I have a couple more questions. Obviously I don't think you are growing rice or wheat. Is that accurate?
1: correct so no bread for this entire year which i am a bread lover So that's <laughs> going to be difficult
0: <laughs> yes it sounds it sounds very difficult and what about um i mean you don't have any animals of your own so dairy products out
1: yeah no no dairy um no eggs um yeah, no, no dairy whatsoever. I highly doubt that I'll decide to get a goat in this time or anything like that. So a year with no dairy uh, at all. Yep.
0: Okay, so in the past nine days, what on earth, besides fish, have you been eating?
1: So I have three main calorie crops that I grow and forage. Uh, tonight, I am eating yucca or cassava, which is a lot of people in the United States probably haven't had it much, but that's what they make uh, tapioca out of. So that's well known. Um, it's just like, it's similar to potato. Um, and then sweet potatoes. I have lots of sweet potatoes and then yam. So here we have wild yams and I harvested a 25, I harvested a 25 pound wild yam last week. And that's, that's quite a few dinners. So I eat a lot of that. And then lots of greens, collards, kales, lots of perennial greens, Um, Tonight I had papaya. I do green papaya that I saute, but I also do fresh papaya or or orange papaya. Lots of fruits. I'm harvesting mangoes, star fruits, um, and then oranges, and lots of coconuts. I harvest my coconuts. Um, They're very abundant down here. I make coconut milk. I'm making coconut oil soon, so I'll have my own oil, but I also just eat a lot of coconut as well. Um I would say that sums up largely what I've been eating for the last 9 days.
0: Are you in Orlando currently?
1: Yeah, so I live right in Orlando, right just what, 2 maybe 3 miles from downtown. So this is very much a you know a lot of people would imagine this being like living on a farm out in the countryside, but this is this is the urban environment and I grow my food. I don't have land. Uh, of my own. What I do is I grow food in other people's front yards and then they are welcome to as much of the food that they like. I teach them how to grow food. I add value to their life and um, that way I have the food that I need without owning any land.
0: Hmm. Do you have any training in growing such a diverse set of crops?
1: Um, My main training is the last nine months of preparation. So when I arrived in Orlando in December of two thousand uh, seventeen, um, I you know instantly got started. I I would go to classes, go to the local farms and gardens, talk to everybody that I could, watch videos on YouTube, um, read books. I have a whole you know a whole shelf of books that are related to growing food in this area and food in general. But before this, I had not grown very much food. I had a couple of small raised beds in San Diego in the five years that I lived there. And that was about all that I grew, just very, very minimal food. But I was quite knowledgeable. I'm permaculture design um, certified. I have my certificate. So, And I visited farms and gardens all across the United States. So knowledge was there, but the actual physical practice before launching into this was fantastic fairly minimal as far as seeing things from seed to the time you can eat it and put it on your table.
0: Do you think your location benefits you at all in terms of starting and completing this project a year from now? And I'm asking that because I'm just outside of Boston, right? So we have snow on the ground. And if you were living in Boston, you would have had to prepare well in advance to get your root vegetables into your root cellar (laughs) to make it through the winter. You're in an almost tropical climate. Is this type of living only for people who have sunshine year round?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think it's something that a good percentage of the the country wonders, and the answer is that every place where you live, you have your pros and you and your cons. You have your challenges, and then you have your things that give you that boost and that ease. So living here in Florida, the, you know, the big benefit is that I can produce food year-round. And you said semi-tropical; that's correct. Orlando's not tropical. We can get some freezes here, um, so that's huge, and that is part of why I chose this area. I just like to be warm. Uh, That's what makes me happy and feel my healthiest and most vibrant. So you know that's where I want to live in a pretty warm area. So yes, I would say that in many ways that makes growing here easier. Now, but you ask the locals and they'll say, you can't grow food in central Florida. They'll talk about how poor the soil is because literally the soil is basically sand. It's like you pick it up and it's basically sand. There's almost no nutrients in it. And we have our summers are like the North's winters in the sense that it's hard to grow uh, an annual garden down here in the summer because it's so hot and humid that most plants die. So it's got its pros and cons. Um, Now in the North, like where I grew up in northern Wisconsin, you know, the amazing thing there is uh, wild rice. You can harvest all the wild rice to get you through a year practically with calories. And then um, a huge abundance of uh, apples. I mean, up there, I visited just before this project started, and I found 30 apple trees on a two-hour walk in my hometown. So, yes, it can be done anywhere in the country, um, but it means adapting to your area. And uh, in in the north, it's all about preserving. It's about producing a bounty and then canning, freezing, uh, and, you know, pre- preserving the bounty is the big key in the northern climates. Mm.
0: So are you saying that your most challenging days may be to come as the weather gets warmer?
1: Yes. The winter is – right now I'm in prime growing time. And basically prime growing time lasts through May. And then once you get to June, that's the hard time. So, So I'm going to have definitely most likely a struggle like – Probably July, August, maybe a big struggle. It's also hard to keep food as good here because it's so hot it's harder to preserve food um, I would say yeah that's going be that's gonna be a big struggle um and then but but the good news is that there's a lot of perennial foods that grow year round um so I'm confident that barring a disaster like a hurricane, a hurricane could wipe out so much of my food um. I am confident I'll make it through the summer with my perennial crops.
0: One thing that really sits with me is that as we are recording this, Thanksgiving is coming up, and this was the way hundreds of years ago, right? People foraged and grew and hunted all their food and made it through winters and made it through hot summers. And so it seems to me as though you're really retreating almost to a simpler way of life. Would you see it that way?
1: Yes and yes and no. I I mean, I'm no no question retreating to a simple way of life, but the difference is that I don't I don't use it as a retreat to get away. If anything what I do is I create I've designed my simple life so that I can be Of service to my community because the less needs that I have, the more that I'm able to help others with their needs. And so I have no desire to be a recluse because my real mission in life is to be of service to others. That's where I gain, that's where I become the happiest and healthiest version of myself. And and that's where I feel my purpose and passion. So the design of my simple life is, is based on having the time to be in my community and making my community a better place. And that's, that's what I do with the free time that I have. And I have a lot of free time because I have simplified my life so much.
0: Mm. So that brings me to my next question, which is for people who are following your journey, what do you hope they gain from your year of foraging and growing 100% of your sustenance?
1: Yeah. So my goal is not to get anybody to do exactly as I'm doing. It's not about growing and foraging 100% of your food. I'm doing something extreme that you know catches people's attention, gets them thinking, puts me on podcasts and mainstream media and such where we can get the conversation going. And then the idea is to inspire people to start where they are. So my goal would be that people would Be inspired to start growing a little bit of food if they haven't grown food before. So, you know, maybe just making an herb garden or maybe making a small salad garden. Um, Starting to learn about where their food comes from. Um, Starting to support local farmers and stop, you know, stop buying food from big ag. You know, get away from the industrialized, globalized food system and instead start uh, supporting the community. you know, feeling more connected and respectful with our food, not wasting our food because food is life. It gives us life. So that's really what it's about. It's about taking a step back, self reflecting on our own lives, and helping other people to um, align their actions with their beliefs.
0: What has been the feedback you've received so far?
1: Hmm. I on know it's this- only
0: been nine days, but. <laughs>
1: Yeah, on this project, um what is the feedback that I've received so far? Um I mean, generally there's a lot of people wondering, can he do it? Uh is it possible? And lots and lots of questions. Um because you know, I've never met anyone who's done this actually, and I and and I've been looking. Um and so lots of questions, just like the basic, like how does this work? Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of curiosity and then no question, a lot of people inspired, um, you know, people wanting to start growing their own food and, uh, that, you know, and that's the whole idea, getting more people to start growing their food and connecting with it. And, you know, especially in the nine months of preparation, that is that is one of the main feedback that I did get is... Now I'm hearing from people that says, hey, those seeds you gave me, well, now I have tomatoes. And, uh, you know, I went to your class and I started a small garden. And so that, that's that been really good feedback.
0: Hmm. Rob, for people who are just dying to follow your journey, where can they find you?
1: So um, my website is just robgreenfield.org. And then the main social media that I use are... Uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And so you can just type my name in, just Rob Greenfield into any of those and you'll find me. And uh, that's the best place. And then if you're in the area or if you're taking a trip to Florida, um, come into one of my classes and actually you know, meeting each other in real life is another way.
0: I just want to thank you so much for all you're doing in the name of sustainability. And I wish you the best of luck in the next... What 356 days?
1: That's right. Well, I appreciate
0: it. I may need a little of that luck. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rob Greenfield. If you are interested in following his journey, check out this week's show notes. I link to his Instagram, his YouTube channel, his website, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You can find this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 055. On next week's show, we are talking with a past and very popular podcast guest, Ashley Logsdon. She's here to tell us all about how and more specifically why we should treat our immediate family members like the VIPs they are. I'll see you then. Take care.